This is episode 35 of the Rise Up Podcast. We're a morning radio show hosted by Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life, a network of stations across New York and Pennsylvania. Our podcast is a weekly conversation that will help you think and grow in your faith. If you haven't already, subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode and find out more about our show at familylife.org. Well, hello and good morning. Thanks for starting out your day with Steve, Therese, and Tim. This is Rise Up on Family Life. There's many things, I say many, many things we can disagree on, but I think the one thing we can agree on, especially in the church, is we all like every single piece of music, and we all agree on... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When I hear things like this, my sarcasm light is going off. Yes, that is not a fruit of the Spirit sarcasm. No, it is not. But, but, I mean, you talk to worship leaders, you talk to pastors and churches, Mm. and it's one of the things they struggle with, with the diversity of ages and taste and everything. It's like, how do you prepare music for the entire congregation when not everybody has the same taste? It's a challenge. Right. It's too loud. It's too quiet. Mm-hmm. It's too fast. It's slow, too slow. It's too repetitive. The mm-hmm. songs are too new. I don't like that person's voice. The drum is too loud. I mean, these are just some of the things that you hear people say about music in church. But here's the real question I think you have to ask. Does it draw me toward God? Mm. Because it can be too loud and still draw you toward God. Oh, yeah. It can be too slow mm. and still draw you toward God. Those are your human opinions. And I think worship that doesn't quite fit your fancy is an opportunity for you to begin offering grace before you even hear the message oh. on Sunday morning. You know, when you think about the people behind it, the heart behind it, I I would venture a good-hearted guest that every person in front of the church on Sunday morning has spent a great deal of time in practice and in prayer before they do what you see in front of the church on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. What I love about that, Therese, is there have been times in the past where I've thought I'm being more authentic not to participate if I don't feel like it. And and like, that's not true. That's that's not a good thing to think, well, I'm not feeling it this morning. If I sing with this song that I'm not really feeling, or if I sing with this song that I don't really connect to, I'll be inauthentic to do that. So I want to be more authentic and maybe just stand here and listen. And I'm not going to say that there's never a place for listening, but to refrain from participating because I'm not feeling like it. Well, that's a good way to make sure that I'm never going to feel like it. A lot of times, and we've used this phrase before, fake it till you make it, like does have spiritual implications. There are times you've got to say things, sing things, participate in things before you feel like doing it to in order to get the real benefit that it has for you. That's why like worship is, I think we could call it a discipline. Like it's a spiritual discipline, a choice Ooh. we have to make to participate. Yeah. Therese, you mentioned that uh, it's an opportunity to show grace uh, if there's a, a piece of music that maybe doesn't fit your uh, own personal taste. I'll never forget a message from the, the pulpit, and it has always changed my mind, because before I heard this message, I was always I was one of those people who thought, oh, I don't like this song. I'm just uh, I'm going to not participate, you know, the wrong thing. I'm not going to, oh, I don't like this. I wish they would do something different. And then uh, when the message said, when you hear a song like that that maybe doesn't fit your taste, it's an opportunity. And every 
time I've done this since then, and it has shown me uh, a great opportunity. The opportunity to say, Lord, because you'd still be worshiping. Maybe you're not singing along with that song, but you're still worshiping by saying, Lord, and you're just being honest. God, this is this song is not ministering to me, but Lord, I thank you that it's ministering to someone that's hearing this song right now. Wow. So you are worshiping and you're thanking mm-hmm. the Lord. And yeah, that song's not that's... to my taste, but boy, I know, Lord, because your word never comes back void. And uh, mm. I'm just uh, thankful that this is touching someone else's heart. May not be touching mine. But it's you're being honest. Yeah. But you're you're right. thanking the Lord for touching someone else's heart. Biblical worship comes from the phrase worth ship to prize something above everything else. And I think that's the key of what you're talking about, Steve. If you're not feeling the song or sometimes I don't know the song and it makes it hard for me to really kind of draw to the presence of the Lord. And it's okay to just stop. You can even sit down and just pray, Mm -hmm. you know, just talk to God and ask him to clear your mind, clear your heart, help you to be able to see what he has for you on Sunday morning. That time of music before the message is really designed for preparation. It's to get you ready for what God is going to deliver through the message. And so however you get there is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, don't make a spectacle or a big distraction or anything like that out of respect for kind of the the order of church, but get yourself ready. And another important point, I don't know if your church is like ours. You know, if if church starts at nine, we really don't start till 9.05 because we know the congregation. Like the countdown starts at nine o'clock, right? So you've got till 9.05 to be in that room. And most people know, well, it goes about this long. And well, I'm not really a fan of the music. So I'm going to show up about 9.22, don't do that because you're missing that opportunity to draw into the presence of God. And I don't know anyone who's able to do that, you know, while trying to find a parking spot, you know, running uh, across the lot, getting into church, looking all over the place to find a seat. You know, that's not the right heart with which you prepare yourself for a Sunday message. And it's not just a personal preference sort of thing either. Like some people would just say, I don't like singing or I don't like, I just don't like music, really. It's like, well, it goes deeper to something human, like the way God created us, singing, singing together specifically. It's something Christians, God's people, before they were even called Christians, have done together. All throughout the Bible, there's examples. Moses and, and Miriam saying in Exodus 15 and the prophet Isaiah saying in uh, Isaiah chapter 26. And like all through, there's these examples. God's people are singing people. It's because we've got something to sing about, and, and we do that through our, our songs and worship. And isn't that the number one reason we're going to church anyway is to honor God and worship God? Yeah. And if, like Teresa, if you if you miss that worship time and you're just wanting to sit there and absorb, uh, yeah, that's part of it. But the number one thing, the number one reason we're going to church is to honor God and to worship God and to uh, to lift his name up. And that's what we're doing as we're singing those songs. Music should be used to teach the gospel. Paul was writing in Colossians when he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I think this brings up an important point that worship songs need to match scripture. And I know that songwriters 
are not perfect. They certainly are not God. And there are creative liberties that are taken. But if there is something in a song that is unbiblical, Mm. I do believe that is worth mentioning to someone on your pastoral staff. Don't post about it on Facebook. Don't blast your church. Don't gossip to a bunch of people about it. But but do some heart checking. Pray about it. Make sure that you're not misinterpreting scripture. And respectfully, I think at that point, you could go to a pastor and say, you know what? When we sing this song, it doesn't sit well in my soul because I feel like these lyrics contradict the word of God. I do think that's important because there are some Christian songs, well-meaning, that don't line up with Scripture and they don't belong in front of the church. Now, this isn't a preference thing. This isn't I don't like the style or I don't like whatever. It's that lyrically it doesn't match up, which brings up another question. Can just anyone be leading worship? Hmm. There are certain gifts there are certain talents. And and you guys know, and we kind of joke about how I wish I could sing and I can't. And I know enough to not try to get on the worship team. <laughs> I mean, are there times where someone just doesn't belong in that position? And what do you do about it? Oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'll just say, uh, I'm glad I'm not the one who has to do something about it <laughs> as the one appointing and figuring out who is responsible for what kind of ministry. But yeah, that's an excellent point that our, our gifts, we do have gifts for different reasons. And that if you're thinking, oh, but I want to use my gift to worship and to lead others in worship. And maybe you've gotten a few cues from other people, but like, yeah, you're not a, exactly American Idol material either. <laughs> like maybe you don't have to take that as a no in the sense that like, first of all, you could help the worship team in many other ways. Like there's the tech and audio needs that are massive and huge and important in corporate worship, but also consider the ways that your gifts that might have nothing to do with music could lead other people in a worshipful attitude towards God. Like what if you can help teach the the kids at, at the Sunday school program? Or, or what if you can just serve in the parking lot? Like that can be an act of of worship too. No, maybe it's not like a singing act of worship, but anything we do can be something that points to God. So it helps other people see and worship his goodness. And it can be something that we use to reflect on how good he's been in gifting us. And that's a worship opportunity right there too. So all of us kind of have that chance to be a worship leader, even if not on stage, maybe. Yeah, worship is really a lifestyle. It's something that doesn't have to just happen in the church on Sunday morning. Worship includes praying. It includes preaching and singing and serving, giving, receiving, fellowshipping, baptizing, remembering, loving, all of those things and more. Worship doesn't have to have a fog machine. It doesn't need dim lights. It doesn't need microphones or speakers. It doesn't even have to give you goosebumps. Mm. Worship is an act of obedience and love for God. Today is going to be great. We just know it. This is Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life. You get on the plane and you think the adventure doesn't really start until we get to where we're going. And then partway through, you realize that the vacation has already begun. That's what happened recently on a flight to Hawaii, where in addition to snacks and drinks, everyone on board got a ukulele. Ukulele! An ukulele. Not only did they get an ukulele, but they got an ukulele lesson. Wow. So by the time they landed, 
in Hawaii, mm-hmm. they already knew how to play. It's kind of cool how the vacation started mid-air. So it got me thinking, what other destinations could you have in-flight experiences for? And how would they match up to where you're going? For example, maybe a flight to Alaska. Everyone could be handed an ice cube and learn how to make ice sculptures before they land. Perfect. You could fly to Idaho and learn how to... Mashed potatoes. Well, that would be pretty easy, though. And sloppy. Maybe that's not a good idea. We got a text from Terry in Cortland. says, how about going to Japan and learning origami on the way? Oh, nice. Which I love that. Julie said, steel drums on your way to Jamaica. I'm not sure they would fit in the overhead (laughs) compartment. But we got a text from Western New York. A flight to Australia. You could Mm -hmm. learn the didgeridoo. It's called the didgeridoo. This thing. Yeah. Which I feel like if I heard that sound while I was on a flight, I would wonder, like, Uh is there something wrong with the airplane? I'll tell you. How about the didgeridoo? Come closer to the radio so we can see you. Wow, you look great today. This is Rise Up on Family Life. I can't imagine how many people have questions today after the Queen's funeral. 4.1 billion people, they say, watched. They say this was the biggest live television event in history. Hmm. Bigger than any award show, bigger than any Super Bowl, bigger than when Muhammad Ali lit the torch at the Olympics. I mean, there were people Hmm. on cruise ships watching this in the middle of the ocean. And there, in the midst of all that, The name of Jesus. Her late majesty's broadcast during COVID lockdown ended with, we will meet again. Words of hope. Christian hope means certain expectation of something not yet seen. Christ rose from the dead and offers life to all. Abundant life now and life with God in eternity, we will all face the merciful judgment of God. We can all share the Queen's hope, which in life and death inspired her servant leadership. All who follow the Queen's example and inspiration of trust and faith in God can with her say, we will meet again. Mm. 4.1 billion people. So when you're talking with your friends and they say, oh, did you see the Queen's funeral? Did you see the Queen's funeral? Yeah. Did you hear that message? Do you have any questions about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus, to have a hope in heaven? What an opportunity to share the gospel with someone today. It's Steve, Therese, and Tim, helping you to rise up on family life. A friend you can turn to. The Fed raised interest rates again, but... Oh, that's not fun. So what would you rather see increased? Yeah, like Devin in Newark Valley says the Jets winning percentage. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I think a lot of people could say that about their team, unless you're a Bills fan. Uh, Robin in Rochester says... Christian bookstores. Remember how fun those were? Oh. Yeah, that would be neat. Tammy and Falconer says, I would like to see the weekend increased to three days. Woo-hoo! 
Agreed. Denise is in Jamestown, works at an elementary school, and says, I'd like the Fed to increase summer vacation. (laughs) I wonder if we could get our government to work on something like that. And then I love this text. I would like an increase in kindness. Yes. Empathy. Yes. And Doritos. All right. (laughs) You're not late. You're right on time. And we're glad you're here. This is Rise Up on Family Life. Hey, didn't expect to see you this time of year, Summer. What's going on? Uh, Yeah, glad you could wake up. Winter, spring, I'm glad you could make it. Short notice, I know, but we have got to talk about fall. Oh, sorry. I I thought he preferred the title Autumn. See, that's exactly what this is about. Fall, Autumn gets two names and the rest of us are just... Winter. Spring. Exactly. So I'm proposing some fresh, new, alternative names for each of us that can, you know, help our image a little bit like me. Instead of summer, people can now call me Glimmer. Uh, What's wrong with summer? Our research showed that people felt that it sounded kind of, you know, like sweaty. No. Spring, why don't you go next? Okay, so my new name is Squish. Really? Yeah, Squish. It's playful. It's relatable. You know, we think it's going to help people set more realistic expectations, you know, for your squishy season. I don't know about this. Winter, you really need a rebrand. The numbers are showing a lot of negative feelings with the name Winter at this point. So why don't you unwrap yours next? Okay. Sparkle. Hey, I kind of like that. You do? Oh, good. Oh, hey, here comes fall. Hey guys, I was just thinking, do you think we could do something about that silent N in autumn? Feels like a little too much. Oh, sure, man. We can make that change, no problem. Thanks, Squish. Yeah, this is not gonna work. Mm-mm.